0: take your copy of god 's word out and turn to exodus Exodus, and we are going to wrap up our uh, first part of our freedom series today I want to I uh, continue this and and preach a word that i 've entitled "Living under." covering, living under covering. I got a lot to cover, and so I'm going to jump right into living under covering in Exodus chapter 18. The Israelites are on the other side of the Red Sea. They, they've made it through Marah. They haven't uh, ingested the bitterness. They're walking through that, they've walked on the other side of that, and now they're at a place called Rephidim. And we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 17. It says, when the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. It's interesting that Rephidim actually means rest. You know, if there's anything that I hate worse than attack of the enemy, it's an attack of the enemy on my day off. Like, come on, devil. You can't take a day off too. It's Saturday. How many of you know it only takes one text message on your day off? It only takes one thought of that project that you were supposed to complete last week that you haven't completed. And, and all that, sometimes sometimes your day of rest turns into a day of unrest. And, and the enemy doesn't play fair. But in uh, verse 9 it says, Moses commanded Joshua, Joshua choose choose some men and you go out and fight that army. Fight the army of Amalek for us, and tomorrow I'm going to stand. This is Moses talking now. Tomorrow I'm going to stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. And so Moses' arms soon became so tired that he couldn't hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on and they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. There's so much blessing. There's so much protection. There's so much victory in this passage. And I wanna teach you how to get it because the enemy's tactics may change, but the victory of the Lord remains the same. And if we identify, the different ways that the enemy attacks us, then we can know how to respond in those different areas. So there's several different characters in this story. There's Moses, there's Joshua, there's Aaron, there's Her, there's the Israelites. And so I wanna walk through all of those characters because you're going to identify with one or more of those people in your life. And we've all walked through seasons where we are in the position of all of these different people in the story. So sometimes, starts off with Moses, sometimes you're Moses, Sometimes you're Moses and Moses takes the posture of a place of prayer and intercession. We learn a couple of lessons from Moses. The first lesson that we learn, and I love this, is Moses teaches us that the battle, I love this, that the battle is won on the mountain. The battle is won on the mountain. See, as believers, we have to recognize that although the battle may be fought in the valley, it's won on the mountain. And if we don't understand that, then we will fight battles and lose battles because we don't understand that before we fight the actual battle, we got to get up onto the mountain. What is the mountain? The mountain is your place of prayer. The mountain is your place of worship. The mountain is your place of intercession. See, there's power in your prayer. There's power in your praise but there's also power God's been teaching us this through the book of Exodus there's power in your posture there's power in your posture. And so that's way why when the worship leader encourages us to raise our hands, it's not some kind of conjured up emotional response to the moment. It's this is how victory looks like. And Psalm says, Psalm 144 one says, God trains our hands for war. So part of what we're doing in worship is God is training my hands for war. How do I win the battle in the valley? I got to start up on the mountain. And this is what victory looks like. It starts up on the mountain. It starts on the mountain. Sometimes, sometimes when I go up on the mountain, I see things from a different perspective. I, I was down in the valley and all I saw were swords coming at me. All I saw was, was the battle in front of me. All I saw was the position of the enemy. But when I go up on the mountain, when I go up on the mountain, I get a different perspective. And sometimes all it takes in your life is a shift of perspective. Let me, let me show you this picture. When I show you this picture, probably one of your first reactions is, that's a, that's a great Photoshopped picture, Pastor. I mean, doesn't it look like, and like not even a good editing job, right? Like that was uh, 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 some, some kid just grabbed a rock and Adobe Photoshop and just pop, popped it in there. But I, but I promise you, it's all real. The rock is real. The trees are real. The, the ground there is real. And, and the position of the rock is actually real. That rock is really in the position that you see it is, in. and sometimes sometimes we feel like like we're standing like right below where that rock is, right? Of like. Okay, all right. I know, I know the job's holding steady, but how much longer? How much longer can we survive during this pandemic doing business like this? And, and, and I know I got. I know I believed. I believed for that health report, but I but I got the diagnosis. The diagnosis is coming in, and I'm going to hear from a doctor this this Wednesday. And, and and I'm I'm in this position. You feel like you ever been there? You feel like man, it's just one more one more day, and the finances are going to come crashing down, or or, or the, the whatever situation is coming crashing down and that's it's in times like that where we have to go up to the mountain because when we change our position we change our posture and when we change our posture we change our perspective so that's a real picture you're just looking at it wrong you're looking at it upside down so let's flip the picture this is the actual picture and suddenly that rock doesn't look so scary any longer Sometimes all it takes is for you to change your posture and climb up the mountain in prayer and say, yes, the rock is real, but my God is bigger. My God is bigger than my problem. My God is bigger than my battle. My God is bigger than the Amalekites. It's a shift of perspective. It's a shift of, I love, I love that the Bible uses the word advantage. Say advantage. That's a strong word. Been feeling that in my spirit this week. An advantage shift. Where are my tennis players out there? Where are my tennis players? There is literally nobody in that one. There's one person. Come on, I didn't ask if you won Wimbledon. Have you ever played tennis? Raise your hand. Thank you. There you go. I'm not going to, ah, I get it. I get it. I do a lot of illustrations. And so you're like, oh, if I raise my hand, pastor's going to get me up on stage. Don't worry about it. You're not, I'm not going to call you up on stage. I'm not a tennis player. I played twice in my life that I remember one was in 10th grade because I had to in PE at Franklin High School. And, um, that did not go well. Never played tennis before. I grew up playing baseball and the goal of baseball was to hit the ball over the fence. And so I just thought it would be fun as a 10th grader. My, um, I'm sorry, Mrs. Montgomery. By the way, my, my 10th grade PE t- teacher, she did not find the humor in me just continually hitting the ball over the fence and she made me retrieve the balls and then I sat out that uh, lesson of PE is what happened there. And then I remember Camden and I, won, uh, this was before the kids and, and we, got, uh, we got tennis rackets for Christmas and we were gonna play tennis. We we're gonna go play tennis and we played, we played tennis one time. We played tennis because we couldn't get the ball. I mean, we chased the ball and we're going and picking up the ball, the net, and that wasn't fun at all. And so that's, I don't understand a lot about tennis, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I do not understand who put in the scoring system of tennis, who put that in. So you go from zero to 15, what happened to one? Like we couldn't count by fives. We got to count by fifteens. Why are we counting by fifteens? And so you go zero and then it's 15 and love. You can't say zero. Why do you got to call love zero and zero love? So it's 15 love and then you get another point and then it's 30. Oh, okay. I get it. I follow. We're counting by fifteens. So 15 and then 30 and then 40. What happened to counting by fifteens? Why do you change in the middle of it? Can you you imagine that in any, literally any other sport? You score a touchdown, six points. Another touchdown, six points you score your third touchdown only four points this time I mean it's just strange to me of like why are we changing why are we changing the rules in the middle of the game I'm a rules guy let's define the rules and let's stick to the rules if we're going to count by 15 let's count by 15 all the way through but if you get to 40 40 if you get to 40 40 you're you're locked you're locked in a in a tie position right? And then the next person that wins that, they don't, they don't win. But what do, they, what do they get? Because you got to win by two. I mean, I don't know what it is in tennis. I don't know what the next scoring system is. Does it jump to like 120 points? I don't know. I don't know how that works. But you got to win by two. And so when you're tied, the next victory may not give you the victory, but it gives you the advantage. It, my goodness, I sense a shift in the advantage, See, this week, this week, what's going to happen is you might not see the ultimate victory, but there's going to be a shift in the advantage. I see an advantage shift in the spirit in the name of Jesus. And so you got to stick with it. Just because you're not seeing the ultimate victory, you go back up to the mountain and you get in your place of prayer and you change your posture. Advantage people of God. Advantage prayer warriors. Advantage worshipers. Advantage intercessors. Advantage those that live. Early, holy advantage those who do not bow down. Advantage, people of God. Some of you have felt at a disadvantage. You felt like the people of God are at a disadvantage in our country. No longer. Advantage, people of righteousness. Come on. Come on. Somebody receive that. Lift a hand and say, I have the advantage. I feel the advantage. I see an advantage shift in your favor. Sometimes you're, you're Moses. You engage in Prayer and intercession. I know I said there's two from Moses. I'll get to that at the end. Sometimes you're Joshua. Sometimes you're Joshua. You're fighting a battle that you've never fought before. I enjoy so much Pastor Steve's teaching at Deeper on Wednesday night. And... uh, he mentioned it, but this is our first. This is our first Wednesday, and so we gather in the auditorium, and we just go old school. We open up the altars, we just just Holy Spirit, and and uh, encourage you to be a part of that, whether you're it's in the house or online. But he's he's been teaching us as a part of deeper to read scripture more slowly to read scripture more slowly, to not just pass over things and take things for granted because there's deeper truths. If we'll slow down, the Lord will begin and the Holy Spirit will begin to, to show us and reveal deeper truths to us. And in verse nine, it says, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Don't, don't, don't pass over that too quickly because what's kind of funny in there. Is that Joshua had never led a battle in his life. And God says, Go choose some fighting men. Who were those? The, there was no army. Like fighting men, the men that were getting into fights, like in the alley, like barroom fight, those fighting men. That would be like if we were news alert. Um, your phone comes little news alert and and we're under attack and you've never been in the in the military There's a lot of military members uh, watching online and and in the house today. Thank you for your service, but but what if what if what if somebody tapped you on the shoulder and you've never served a day in the military and you, and they were like I want you to be the commander of the army Like, I've never been a commander. And by the way, of what army? Well, Walmart's open. Go round up some people in Walmart, and that's going to be, that's going to be. But here's what I love about the Lord. I love, I love this about the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes I don't, I don't love it so much, if I'm being honest. See, sometimes God will train you for the battle, but a lot of times God will train you in the battle. He'll train you in the battle. I wonder, I wonder who I'm preaching this to today, that you don't feel ready for the battle that you're in. Can I encourage you? God's training you in the battle. You don't feel ready to parent the teenager. You don't feel ready to raise your grandkid. You don't feel ready for the promotion that you got at work. You don't feel, see what this is, this was another level, next level. This was next level. Sometimes the way that you get to the next level is you start fighting battles that you've never fought before. But God will train you in the midst of the battle. He'll train you in the midst of the battle. Sometimes you're Moses, sometimes you're, you're Joshua, and then sometimes you're Aaron and her. Sometimes you're Aaron and her, that you're lifting up somebody else's hands. I, I love I love Aaron and her. I love the spirit of Aaron and her because here's Moses, and Moses says it says, as long as Moses was in this posture, it was a posture of victory, and he was looking down and he was seeing Joshua push back the Amalekites, but Moses got tired and his hands started to drop. And when Moses' hands began to drop, then the Amalekites began to win, win the, the victory and push back the Israelite troops. I love, I love that, I love this about Aaron and her. I love that it says that they didn't offer any commentary. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice to walk through a day where nobody decided that they, their position in life was to offer commentary on everything else? I, 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 don't, watch, I don't watch this stuff anymore, but, but I used to get a kick out of some of the, some of the sports talk shows on ESPN around the horn, different things like that. They'd have five people and they're all, um, they've, ne- I don't know, maybe they have, it looks like they've never played a sport in their entire life. But they know all the answers. They know what the coach should have done and shouldn't have done. They know the play. They know, they, I mean, just, they have all the answers. The problem is that they are not In the game. And doesn't that just feel like the world in which we live in? That everybody's got the answers. Everybody wants to offer all their commentary. But hello, sometimes, sometimes somebody else doesn't need your analysis of their problem. They just need you to walk over and lift up their hands. They need the spirit. You know what we need more of in this world? The spirit of Aaron and her. Aaron and her didn't blame Moses. Moses, what a pathetic leader. If you would have been in the presence of God more, you could have lifted up your hands for two more minutes. Come on, Moses. We were two minutes away from battle. They didn't commentate, they didn't blame. They just walked over. I see a problem. I'm going to lift somebody up. I'm telling you, we will change this world when we take on the spirit of Aaron and her and become lift up people. People. Come on, somebody lift up, somebody else. We just got to jump in, lift up some arms. I was, um, I flipped on uh, TV the other day, and they released they released the the Muppets, the old Muppets back in the seventies. Anybody grow up watching watching the Muppets? You remember you remember Statler and Waldorf, the two guys up in the balcony just complaining. Just everything was bad. Everything was wrong. Everything. But they weren't on the stage. They didn't know. They didn't know. They weren't giving any money. They weren't working behind the scenes. They weren't helping out Kermit and Scooter and Miss Piggy and Fozzie and Rolf. Yeah, I watched The Little Muppets back in the day. (laughs) It's a word for somebody. It's time to come out of the balcony. It's time to come out of the balcony. It's time to get in the game. It's time to get in the battle. I don't care which position you are on the battle. Some of us, the Lord is calling to, to a greater place, a next level of intercession. Some Somebody he's calling to fight in the battle. Others, he's calling to come alongside spiritual authority and leadership and lift up, lift up. We gotta be lift up people, lift up people. I know it's been a year since you've been on an elevator. but But have you ever... If you ever rode an elevator with basement Bobby, here's what happens. If you get it you step on the elevator with basement Bobby. It doesn't matter how good your day is, how much joy of the Lord you have, what's going on in your life, just what celebration you just got to raise. If you get on the elevator with basement Bobby, he's going down and he's going to take you with him. He's going to take down your emotions. He's going to take down your spirit. You're like I thought. I pushed the up arrow. No, not when you step on with Basement Bobby. They're going to bring you down. I don't want to ride on an elevator with Basement Bobby. I want to. I want to ride on an elevator with Top Floor Tommy. That no matter what's going on in my life, Tommy's going to lift me up. He's going to encourage me. He's going to speak into me. Come on, let's be that kind of people. Let's be an Aaron and her church that people are going to walk through our doors and they're. They're going to be hurting they're going to be in need and we don't have to we don't have to point out every problem that we see we just go over to them and begin to lift them up and lift up somebody's hands god will bless that he'll bless that sometimes we're moses sometimes we're joshua sometimes we're aaron and her and then we're always we're always the israelites we're always the Israelites. Let me, let me take a few moments, and this is so so important to teach through this. I gotta teach through this. Cause I don't think a lot of Christians understand the power of covering. The power of covering. So let's fast forward. The Israelites had just won the victory and and not just by like a, a three to two score. They annihilated the Amalekites. And so what does a what does a good a good coach do? By the way, another uh, brag opportunity, our Concord Academy girls. Did you see the sign? State champs, y'all. State <laughs> champs. Congratulations, Coach Bill, Mr. C, all your team. What a, what a, what a great uh, program. But here's what a good, a good coach does. A good coach, when you win a victory, doesn't just celebrate the victory. They look for what? They look for teachable moments. So let's get in the locker room, let's celebrate, let's celebrate, but let's teach through the victory. And let's look at why we won, and then if we understand why we won, we can begin to duplicate the things. And so this was an amazing victory for the Israelites. So now God is getting them in the locker room, and he's saying that was a great victory, but I want you to understand why you won. How many of you know want to know why you won? I want to know why I won. So they'd won the victory. And they're going through the post-game analysis. And here's the post-game analysis. It's in verse 14. After the victory, after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down. This is important. He's telling him write it down. Write it down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And then Moses built an altar there, and he named it Yahweh Nisi which means the Lord is my banner. So this is important to understand because God revealed himself as Yahweh to Moses for the first time at the burning bush. Up until that time, they did not know the Lord's proper name, but he said Yahweh, which means I am that I am, or I will be that which will I be. And and then he began to give this progressive revelation of who he was. So he was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Uh, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And so what do we understand about banners? Banners were a covering. What was under that covering? There were three things according to this narrative. There were three things under this banner. Jehovah Nisi. God's saying, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. By the way, this is the only time this is the only time in all of scripture that God reveals himself as Jehovah Nisi. So we got to really lean in on this. If we want to know what is under our covering there's three things under our covering. There's protection under our, under our covering. There's victory and there's blessing. There's protection, there's victory and there's blessing. And so what the Lord was doing is he was telling Israel this that I flow God flows protection victory and blessing through covering and so when you honor support and lift up spiritual authority in your life you place yourself under covering and live in God's protection blessing and victory but when you operate outside of covering, you are exposed to the enemy and experience defeat. I'm telling you, not, not, not a lot of people like this teaching now because nobody, nobody likes authority. People don't like authority. No, no, don't talk to me about And honestly, can I just be, can I just be honest? It's a little awkward to teach, right? Because it feels self, self-serving. It's like... Um, Hey, uh, point number one, buy your pastor something for his birthday. Or, or, like it just fe- it feels self-serving. But I would not be a good pastor if I didn't teach you about the power of covering. Because we've got a lot of people that are operating outside of covering. Listen, this has happened all, this has happened since the New Testament. There, is, there are good prophets, there are godly prophets, there is, are good words of prophecy, and then there are false prophets that lead God's people astray. It's the same today. Y'all, there's a lot of, I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of stuff on the internet that is not Jesus or anything close to the word of God. So you say, well, how do, I, how do I know what's true? How do I know what's right? Here's one of the first questions I would ask. Question number one, does it line up with the word of God? Question number two, who's giving the prophecy and what covering are they under? What covering, covering are they under? If they are not under covering, if they are not under spiritual authority, I would just politely step back from that because God flows these things through covering. Can I preach this? Can I preach this to my, to my millennial crowd? Can I preach this to my, to my Gen C, Z crowd? Hear your pastor. Content is not covering. What, what I mean by that is watching 15 seconds of your favorite preacher on Instagram is not living under covering hopping back and forth from 20 different 20 different YouTube, YouTube live streams. That's not covering. Now, I'm not saying it's bad, but that's not covering. Covering is when I say, this is my church. This is my spiritual authority. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to honor it. I'm going to give to it. I'm going to serve it. What happens is you place yourself under covering. And again, I got to teach this because I want you to be blessed. I want you to be protected. I want you to operate under blessing. And this is just the way God works. God flows this stuff through authority. Now, can it be abused? Absolutely. That's why you've got to choose your covering well. But this is the way God works, and he will bless you through it. Here's the final thing, because I told you there was two lessons from Moses. Let me get back to the, the second one. See, we learned two lessons from Moses. The first lesson, Pastor Steve, could you help me? Could you come on up here and just have a have a seat in this chair and pastor steve is a worshiper and a weightlifter so this won't be this won't be any problem for you pastor steve if you'll just lift both hands in the air take on no that's low come on let's go let's let's get it yeah there we go that's better that's better not this right not this i mean that's okay sometimes but we're gonna we're gonna go all in today and so and so this is that this is that posture of victory. This is that posture of prayer. This is that posture of praise. This is that posture that, that changes your perspective. So we learn a couple of things from Moses. We learn that the battle was won on the mountain. But the second thing that we learn is that it's never it's never a sign of weakness to allow somebody else to lift up your hands. And so what was crazy is Moses, as the spiritual authority, as the spiritual covering for this nation, as long as Moses' hands was lifted. And remember, Moses Moses could see the battle. Moses could see the battle. So that when Moses was like this, Joshua was swinging the sword and the troops were behind him. But, but when he got a little tired, I know, is it burning? No, you're still good. That's what happens. See, that's what happens when you praise like Pastor Steve. You're like, Pastor Steve's like, I can do this all day. I got you. And so, and so as long as Moses was in that, but when Moses got a little tired and his hands dropped, the, the defeat started to come. Can you imagine when Moses started to get just a little bit weary? I should have had when I went up. Up. I passed Steve up, up, up. <laughs> Should have had Pastor Steve pumping his praise earlier, a couple weeks ago. The very, but when, when Moses' his hands began to drop, and Moses saw people on the battlefield die, suddenly the mantle that was on the man of God to lead into victory, that turned into that turned into pressure, didn't it? Because now he felt, he felt the pressure of being responsible for all those lives. Whom am I preaching to th- today? That you're in this chair, mom. I'm never... I've never homeschooled before. I've never raised teenagers before. And I feel the pressure. And if I start to drop my arms, what's going to happen to my kids? I, I feel the pressure. I've never done this before. Dad, you've sat in this chair you've sat in this chair and you feel the pressure. I know the job's stable, but what's going to happen to the economy in the next two weeks? And you feel, you feel the pressure because as long as your arms are up, you're seeing your family win. And boss, you feel the, you feel the pressure. As long as I make the wise decisions, I've never led my company. I've never led the division through the pandemic before, but as long as I, as long as I have my hands up, we can feel pressure. Leaders, you can feel pressure. I've never raised my grandkids before. I've, never done this before. Steve, come on up. Come on up. Here's what we have to understand. What we have to understand is that it is never a sign of weakness. That just when you get to the point that you feel like, I can't take the pressure anymore. I can't take the burden anymore. The mantle has become a weight. I don't know if I can do this anymore. What God will do in your life, if you will allow him, is he'll bring the spirit of Aaron and her. And all, all that we have to do all that we have to do. Can I preach this to somebody today? We got you. We got you. We got you. This church has you. You don't have to be in this alone. You don't have to pray alone. You don't have to worship alone. You don't have to fight for your marriage alone. We got you. We got you. When you feel like when you feel like it's all on your shoulders, we got you. We got you. We're going to stand beside you. We're going to lift you up. But you got to let somebody in. You got to let somebody in. With every eye open, how many of you would say, Pastor, I feel like I'm in this seat this morning. I feel some pressure. And I just need somebody to be an Aaron and a her in my life. Come on, just would you would you have the, the, yeah, absolutely all over this place. Keep them up. Body of Christ, would you just look a hand and extend a hand to somebody? I wish we weren't socially distanced. I wish we could lay our hands on you. But we got we got you. We got you in your health, in your health challenge. We got you. We got you in raising your kids. We got you in this job assignment in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, would you just take on the posture of Moses right now? Would you just take on the posture of Aaron and her and step in and be an intercessor for somebody and pray for somebody's family pray for somebody's diagnosis pray for somebody in the house today that needs their hands lifted up in Jesus name in Jesus name Pastor Steve would you just step, step out of the chair I did not have this oh, Steve, both Steve's Steve Steve, and Steve, stay, stay here. I did not plan on this. This was not in my notes. And I'm telling you, if teaching on covering feels a little bit awkward, this feels even a little more awkward. God is doing so many amazing things. God's so... I mean, he's blessing us. He's growing us. New locations, uh, uh, j- just in the area of missions and dream center expansion, and and we've got our business meeting next Sunday. And you'll hear you'll hear just even more of all that God is doing baptisms and everything like this. But can I can I be a literal little uh, just vulnerable that there are sometimes that myself and the pastoral staff feel like Joshua. I don't know if this makes you nervous. Um, your pastor has never. First of all, I've never led a church before. So, I, and you're like, okay, can you pray because I'm gonna hit the hit the door? But I'm only four years in to leading a church, and I've never led a church during a pandemic before. And as you, what I'm just simply asking you to do nothing bad, nothing wrong. God is blessing. He's encouraging. Like we're n- nothing like that. But here's what I would ask, because I know you do anyways. This week, our team, uh, some of our lead pastors are going to, to Houston. And God has opened up a door for us to teach others what God is doing here. And to share just some, some insight. Not that we have it all figured out. But just to talk about the goodness of God. Would you, could I ask you this, Multiply Church? Would you take this week... And as the Lord brings it to your mind, would you pray for all of your pastors and for Multiply Church? And as you do, as you be Aaron and her and lift up Moses' hands, you know what happens? God blesses you. You're protected and you operate in victory. And so, uh, Pastor Brandy, could you just give Pastor Steve the, the mic? Pastor Steve, would you just lead, if, if you'll do that this week, would you just as a sign of commitment to the Lord, would you just stand in the house today? This is a little, I'm, I know this is a little bit strange. I didn't even, I didn't even like plan on doing this, but I, I just felt to, to encourage you that as you pray for your spiritual authority and your spiritual leadership, you get the blessings
1: of the house. Pastor Steve, would you, would you pray? Lord, we thank you for the covering of this house. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Doug we thank you for his heart, for for you and for prayer and for the word. He is a pastor who is up early every morning seeking you and seeking your face. And Lord, we come and we pray right now for Pastor Doug and for Camden. Lord, I pray, Lord, for, for them and for their family. God, I pray your protection upon them, oh God. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them, oh God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your anointing would rise within their, within their family, Lord. We pray, Lord, for their, for their children, Lord. I pray, Lord, that there would be a, a blessing upon them, O oh God, of, of protection and provision. Lord, I pray that you would give them an anointing of insight. Lord, I pray that when the enemy comes in to try to bring discouragement, Lord, may he feel the hands of this church, Lord, around his wrist, lifting him up in prayer. Oh God, Lord, I pray that when the enemy tries to come in and to to bring moments of doubt, Lord, may he may he feel this, the, this this church, Lord, surrounding him, Lord, with prayer, Lord, and with encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, as as men and women to rally under a vision, to rally under a call. Lord, Lord, for all that is ahead, Lord, because we believe that there is next level blessing that is on the way, Lord, Next next level anointing that is on the way, Lord, and that comes as we come, and we support our covering, Lord, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen,
0: amen, 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 amen. It's never a sign of weakness ask somebody else to lift up your hands before you go Father in the name of Jesus if there's somebody here that's walking around but they're not awake going through motions but they're not alive I pray that right now they would give their hearts to you and you can do that just by praying a simple prayer say Jesus forgive me of my sin I know I'm a sinner but I come to the cross I believe that you died and rose again and I accept you into my heart and in my life in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Walk in covering, walk in blessing, and walk in victory. Give him one more shout of praise in the house today.